Today's episode of Anything is Potable is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Samuel Jamison Packard III. I've been wanting to say that for a while. I am a professional sports fan, professional Celtics fan here at the Athletic, and I'm joined, as always, by Celtics beat reporter, the kid, the legend, El Nino, Jay King, and Sup, bro? Uh, for a special event, uh, we have a third Jay who will be raining down takes, John Corrales <laughs> from... MassLive.com, also Guess who's Bazak back on the block with them. I guess I shouldn't say that next word, but still, it's great to have you back, John. It's great to be back. Uh, Jay, I want to just check on your gastrointestinal system. Have you recovered fully from... I've fully recovered. It was a tough, tough, tough night for the kid, but I woke up the next morning and all the McDonald's pain was gone. That's good. And so have you gone back to the film and figured out what you need to do to do better uh, when we do that again on this Thursday? I need to never try that challenge again <laughs> is what I need to do. That's, that's the takeaway from this. You should have piled the nuggets into the burgers. So oh, wow. That, I, I, was, I tried to get that message across. I tried to get some coaching, but you weren't. there was no... What are you, Kobayashi? I was just trying to offer some help here. I wanted to see you do this and not embarrass yourself. After all of the the talk saying that you were prepared for this. I don't think I embarrassed myself. I think I've gotten closer than anyone (laughs) has publicly yet. Right? I I, I don't know. Nobody's finished it yet publicly. I think, I mean, the more I look look around the landscape, (laughs) the, the more I consider myself a god of eating oh jeez <laughs> so you're back to that already like a matter of days <laughs> is, is a matter of days is anyone surprised no. he called himself a god as soon as he puked <laughs> I, I do i do appreciate the uh that notion of like can i, can I keep going like af- after it was clearly <laughs> over you're like let me keep going like all right all right it's over it's over uh, the stomach of a child and the heart of a champion <laughs> It was a good effort. It was a good effort, but I, it was I, a great did, have, effort. I did have tips. Is all I'm saying. I, I would have approached, I would have approached it uh, a little differently. That's why you're sitting in the crowd talking, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the one actually out there on the front lines yep. eating chicken McNuggets. Yeah, and that's what we have to do for uh, entertainment these days because there are no new games. We are still in a pandemic. In case you uh, were not aware, but there are dribbles uh, and little bits of basketball news. Uh, I think the first. Um, that I guess is the biggest uh, around the Celtics world right now is Kevin Garnett surprisingly uh, made it to the Hall of Fame. And I, for one, just want to get out there on record. Um, and it might be controversial, but I agree with the decision. I think Kevin Garnett is a Hall of Famer. It's a hot take. Strong. I know you guys might disagree. I know Jay's a little uh, working right now to try to f- uh, figure out a way to uh, prove me wrong. But, you know... I think he's a Hall of Famer. Well, we- I think I think he's actually one of the most underrated players in NBA history. Ooh. Woo! Go on. <laughs> I think the teammates he had in Minnesota. Oh my god. Marred what should have been a ridiculous prime. I mean, when he was in his prime and this is before he got to Boston. By the time he got to Boston, he was still one of the best players in the league, but not what he was during his prime. He was the very best defender in basketball. He was capable of guarding anyone of any size, shape, skill level, ability. And he was totally unstoppable offensive force who loved to pass to his teammates. I think if he had landed in a different situation, he would be thought of as one of the five or ten 
best players of all time. I think, you know, when people look at his career, everyone thinks Tim Duncan's better. Tim Duncan won five championships. Tim Duncan did this and that. Kevin Garnett never had Tony Parker. Kevin Garnett never had Manu Ginobili. Kevin Garnett never had Kawhi Leonard. Kevin Garnett didn't have that until he got to Boston. And then he still won one title. He almost won a second even after he got injured and came back and wasn't the same. So to to me, Kevin Garnett, and especially like you see today how he'd be used differently. And I'm not talking about shooting threes. I'm just talking about unleash him. He was Draymond Green except seven foot one and super, super skilled offensively. And more athletic. And longer. <laughs> like he was just ridiculously smart, ridiculously talented. And to me, he'll always be underrated because those teams he played on in Minnesota were such garbage. I agree. I, I think I think it's pretty much spot on there. Um he he had to, you know, he had that Tim Duncan obstacle there a lot. Um and he I, I think he's the beginning of the big man revolution, the 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 seven footers who face up. Like he he's the guy. David Robinson, though. He's not seven feet tall. <laughs> no, David Robinson, sure, but like not he, Patrick Ewing, he did, sort of. No, 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 no. Those guys They weren't as athletic and like fast. Th- David Robinson was super athletic. Don't I mean, slander that, that man. That, I'm not I'm saying trying to like quick, like be out on the outside. David oh, he was Robinson quick. Was, like da- you, you never watched for David a guy Robinson who's seven play. feet tall. David Robinson was still a traditional, a more traditional center who had a face up game. Uh I think Kevin Garnett was a face-up player. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's not like Robinson who had that element to his game. That just was KG's game. And when he went, if he went into the post, that was that was something he added to his game. But he was a face-up, take guys off the dribble, pull up, crossover type of player. Um, and he was that type of player at seven feet tall or six eleven or wherever he pretended to be. But um, I, I I do agree and. You know, how many times have you guys heard me say situation matters? Like if he if he was on a different team, maybe if he was in the Eastern Conference, maybe if he was on some other whatever like wherever he was, um, and he got to the finals more more often than, you know, the the times he came to Boston, uh, he probably would have. I think Jay's right. Like he he would have gotten a little bit more credit. But um and you know, if there's one fatal flaw that that KG had over the course of his career, it's that insane sense of loyalty, and and that cost him his his opportunity. He keeps saying he said it again on your outlet uh, with with Shams, where you know he should have left Minnesota earlier. He said it after he was elected to the Hall of Fame when he was talking to Paul Pierce. I should have come to Boston a couple years earlier. We'd be sitting on two three rings right now. Uh, his Fierce loyalty, which is a tremendous asset in so many ways, is what kept him in a situation where clearly they were just, they were never putting the right players around him, but he just stuck with it and, and it never, it never, he never had any level of teammate, like Jay said, that, that could get him to that next level. Do you think like that's completely over with player empowerment? I can't imagine, considering how bad some of his teams were, like, uh, I can't imagine a player sticking around, a player of that caliber sticking with that franchise. I feel like Giannis is gonna is on like the statistically the best uh team in a while uh, on the Bucks, and there's still talks of him potentially leaving just to go find a team that's like uh, guaranteed to win him a championship. It's just never gonna happen again. Where if someone's that talented and like the team doesn't step up and kind of make them compete, it's just it, it's removed from today's game. That's like what the player empowerment era is. And I think it's better because then you actually see the best of the best competing for championships rather than seeing Kevin Garnett, like his talent be wasted. And what, he only make one Western Conference Finals before the Celtics? Yeah, but it's it's a little bit different for Giannis in Milwaukee because KG had uh, nothing but first round exits and Milwaukee's made some noise. Um, And now, like you said, statistically, he's on the on the best team yet. Uh, And and I think one element that you have to consider is it's we from the outside can sit there and be like, ah, I don't know. I mean, you're really rolling with Chris Middleton. Is that really going to be your second best player? Even though he's been really good this season. Uh, the, the, the feeling inside a locker room that I, I know I just kind of 
said that KG's loyalty was a, a little too too intense. But like when you're in that locker room and you're you're battling with those guys and you're succeeding and you're building those bonds, you don't have that same. You 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 get I guess for lack of a better term overconfident about what your team can do because those are your brothers and when you're when you have that kind of chemistry Milwaukee has tremendous chemistry you see them even that little wrestling thing they do before the games i mean that that's fun like you can tell that those guys really like each other that's hard to leave that's hard to sit there and be like you know who else had awesome chemistry lebron's cavs teams where they were taking pictures of each other before the games and then they weren't talented enough and he left Okay, that's that's a fair point. Because LeBron changed it. LeBron changed the whole player empowerment. He was like, he's the one who said, like, put me around a winner. That's, I mean, that that's fine. But, you know, I, I still think that there's that level of, uh, that that feeling inside that locker room. I mean, LeBron's, LeBron's a little bit of a different animal. I mean, he's, he's much more focused on his, his legacy, his, like, his promotion, his, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's a much bigger element. He's chasing the greatest of all time type of thing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be in Giannis's head. I feel like Giannis might be a little bit different though. Bold question. Who's uh, going to be better when it's all said and done Giannis or Kevin Garnett? Um, I think Giannis has a chance to be like one of the very best. Yeah, very I best think it's players. Giannis. I, I, I'm good. I was going to say, I'm leaning Giannis. I, I, I didn't want to like, my initial reaction is Giannis. But yeah, I you know if he if he ever develops if he really honestly develops that jump shot then that that just takes his game to another level which as it is right now as it is right now he's he's at I would say he's probably at that KG level he's he's that kind of defender but at the same time KG in his prime was just so damn good agreed but but Giannis is like he's already won one MVP he'll probably win the MVP this year. He could win Defensive Player of the Year this year, which will tie him with KG. So, like, he's already, well, when you look at I'm not arguing. the top accolades. Yeah. I'm not arguing. I mean, th- th- this goes right back to the situation thing where if if KG was on, Prime KG was on this Milwaukee team, what would he look like? He'd look like Giannis, and he'd be an MVP, and, and he'd have, like, those accolades. Uh, I mean, honestly, that that's – I so it, it's just hard. It's hard to compare – I'm going to say Giannis, like, right now has just so much time still. Like, he still hasn't hit his prime. He still hasn't hit his full stride. So, I mean, I agree. Like, Giannis has the potential to be in the conversation of, like, top five players of all time. Which, I again, I agree. We're all agreeing on this That goes back to Jay's argument before. Like, if if KG was in a different situation, we'd be talking about him like that. Like, I think Giannis is a good kind of proxy for that that kind of conversation. Because he is in that different situation, and look at how we're talking about him right now. I think that proves Jay's point from earlier. So, who, what NBA player right now is in a bad situation that we have undervalue, a la KG? The first person that came to my mind is Devin Booker, just because he's on the Suns. But um, I don't know. The Celtics have played a lot of weird games against the Suns over the past couple of years. I don't know how to properly judge him. Yeah, Devin, Devin Booker is good. Like he's not at Kevin Garnett's level. The thing that separated Kevin Garnett was. He was the best defender in the league or very close to it. And Booker, for all the stats he puts up, is far, far, far from that. So I, I think that's – like Kevin Garnett always played winning basketball even when he was on dog shit teams. And I don't think you can say the same about Booker. I'm, I'm trying to think Bradley Beal. of a good comparison. Bradley Beal, yeah. Obviously, he's not close to KG's level, but but sort of like he's – and he doesn't really play defense anymore either, but, but he can. <laughs> when he wants to, he can. I'm looking through Dame? the uh, Dame Lillard. Yeah, Dame could be, but he, yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, I don't know if there is a comparison. Like KG was an MVP whose teams got squandered. You know, maybe Harden. Yeah, obviously he's had he's had help around him, but to some extent, people question him for whether he can win in the playoffs. And part of it is they ran into the Warriors, but maybe maybe Harden, maybe Chris Paul. I think you know. Yeah, this is hard. This is a hard one I, because I, I don't think there's I don't think there's anybody. Yeah, there, you gotta, you there's, gotta be at there's that no level. good comparison. You're gonna be at that KG level. It's almost like you can't compare uh, across <laughs> eras and across times, and it's a fruitless endeavor that we've uh, just waltzed down and had. Demontis no, Sabonis, <laughs> Blake Griffin, <laughs> Blake Chris Griffin was one good. <laughs> Harris Levert. 
Marvin Williams. <laughs> what? All right, I'm done. I'm done. Just Are there right any other here. hot NBA topics that you guys want to cover before we start talking about uh, John Krause's uh, uh, career yeah. path? Yeah, I got, I, got a, I got a hot take to spit. Okay. Woo. Not, not even a hot take to spit. I just, I just got to vent a little bit. Ooh. Televised horse is the <laughs> single worst idea of all time. It's not that bad. It's not I that bad. I would rather watch the video games Giannis. Are so what? I don't want to watch fucking video games either. No, neither do I. But and horse, I certainly, is horse, horse is the single most boring thing you could watch. The single most slow-paced, boring thing R-J, you could R-J, possibly R-J. watch. Let's let's work through this. You are now a producer at ESPN, and you got to you work with the NBA. You yep. got to put some sort of television programming on. What do you do? I would have I would televise guys' workouts at their homes. That's just everyone's going to tune into Jason Tatum getting up four hundred shots. Yeah, well, not him because he doesn't have a basketball court. But <laughs> I would watch I would watch Giannis work out with resistance bands. Wow, the Van Gundy brothers. That's so much worse than that's horse. creepy and per. <laughs> this is not fun. I, I would watch. I would watch players like okay. So have Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Kendrick Perkins. Have them all talk about their championship team. Have have a roundtable with those guys. Have like there are so many different things you could do that don't involve fucking two K or horse. <laughs> yeah, but the league. The, the league is just trying to. Make I would some watch. Money. They're, they're they're trying to they're trying to throw stuff up at the wall, just trying to make a little bit of money. Yeah, and I, I get obviously I get these are tough times, but there is no time tough enough for for horse to be televised, and and especially quarantined horse where guys aren't even in the same fucking place. <laughs> I am all the way the, out on horse. Horse is the single dumbest idea that anyone has ever come up with in the history we've already had horse horse used to be a part of all-star weekend until everyone realized nobody wants to watch horse because it is so damn boring the only way i would i would watch like like larry bird versus magic johnson in horse like if they had them at their current ages playing horse against each other (laughs) in quarantine give me that don't give me current players i think you go ahead finish your rant sorry I, I would I would be on board for that or like Larry Bird versus Reggie Miller. Give me that. Give me that. Give, give me give me old timers who are going to talk shit and and reminisce about the old days and build the broadcast around a conversation about their careers and their rivalry and that. But don't show me Luka Doncic playing horse against Trey Young. Go, go go fuck yourself. <laughs> I think I think you could do it if you it horses horses too much. You got to do you know you got to make and miss five different shots. That tends to drag on. If you have ten guys, line them up, play pig. Make you know, make, shorten it up. Have two guys play each other. The winner plays the next guy in line, and you just keep on going. And you just make it fast. It has to be fast paced. I agree. I, horse would get old fast because. Frankly, a lot of these guys are too good at making shots, and so it would it would get old fast. You, ha- I would have to have to be fast paced to me. Now is the time to have a dunk contest because you can have all the guys who do throw down the crazy dunks on YouTube actually compete with the NBA players. You just do a live zoom, and so they have to hit hit the dunk right there. You got replays. It'd be fantastic. I figured it all out. I agree. Uh, I'm not as angry about the situation as my good friend Jay is. Uh, but horse is bad. It's uh, let's let's spitball some other ideas. Let's spitball some other ideas. I would watch draft workouts. Like they can't like, even give draft workouts. What you can't? Yeah, they can't do the NBA. Like it came out like the NBA talking with the okay. Uh, so the NBA has no, we gotta like, do like e- ESPN could televise Lamelo Le- Ball going through a draft workout. Yeah, but that 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 actually breaks like CBA rules, and so you, they, that can't no, happen. It doesn't. He's yeah, not even part of the NBA. They just sent out guidance. He's just going through said, a workout. They literally just sent out guidance that you cannot teams cannot watch televised or video draft workouts. 
Te- teams can't. Can. The general public sure can. Oh, yeah. So what are we going to do? Put a, a, a box on a team's TV? Like, oh, don't watch ESPN for an hour because LaMelo Ball is going to be working out, guys. I'm just saying, there, there's there's no law against LaMelo Ball <laughs> having a workout on ESPN. <laughs> I, I would rather I, I would, see I would these watch guys, something like that. I would rather see these guys, like, do a lumberjack competition. Like, do a crossfit yeah. competition. Like, see who can throw... Uh, yeah, those old ESPN two log yes. throwing competitions. Yeah, now we're talking. Like, I'm the strongest watch, man. Yeah, I would watch like like a beer pong competition between like Michael Jordan versus Larry Bird in beer pong. So, like, Give it to me. So you set up ping pong. Ping pong would be a lot of fun. I mean, there's ping pong. You can't play ping pong virtually, you idiot. How are you gonna play beer pong per- virtually, bruh? It's the same. Like just play. It's cup for cup. You do, there's no deep. Like you couldn't play defense on a balance or anything like that. But otherwise, there's there's you don't have to be at the same place. You can modify the rules. I I can see I can see that I can see that. I don't know something like that. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm all in on non basketball. Absolutely, axe throwing. It should just be MTV cribs. Like give me PJ Tucker hucking, just launching boulders. Yeah, do an axe throwing competition. You know, Aaron Baines versus PJ Tucker just throwing boulders. I'm, about, I'm in. How about like, yeah, oh, well, Aaron Baines, you could throw him in like a Survivor Man situation. You just drop him on an island and watch him survive for a week on nothing. Like he just Aaron Baines wrestling alligators. Let's do it. Yeah, that type of stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Aaron Baines in interesting situations. Just give him a GoPro. There's we'll get all the footage. There's a non-zero chance that he's already wrestling alligators anyway. <laughs> here's the thing exactly are nba players that interesting enough that they like because we've seen all the nba players turn to more social media i mean ennis Cantor's out there being ennis Cantor. uh a lot of these players aren't that interesting um without basketball they're just uh average people <laughs> yeah. that that is a problem that a lot of players aren't interesting but you like you could get i would watch the van gundy brothers said they're having free throw shooting contests i would actually watch that I would watch Stan Van Gundy versus Jeff Van Gundy shoot free throws and talk shit to each other. Give me that. In separate gyms on video chat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they can ever figure oh, yeah. out how to uh, work their video. Yeah, I mean, but- if people tuned in to watch you eat McDonald's, people tuned in to watch Van Gundy Brothers. I think it's <laughs> it's time for creativity. You just got to throw I think the key is the personality. See what happens. The key here is always it's. It's not the action because you're not going to get good enough action, right? The key is having interesting people and people that will talk shit, people that will tell stories, people that will have a good time. And so that's why I say the Van Gundy brothers, but you could go with with anybody that has a real personality. Like, give me Evan Turner. Who who on the Celtics would you want a a TV show uh, on right now? No, no, current Celtics. No, Evan Turner. (laughs) I mean, obviously you want Evan Turner. I mean, that's your go-to for everything. (laughs) That's a given. Or televise the Morris brothers. They're probably living together, right? Have one-on-one. I don't think the Morris brothers want to be televised. No. But I'm just saying, I would I would live I would live for Morris brother workouts. Like Mark, my answer right now for best Celtics would be Daniel Tice. Really? Yeah, I mean that guy. He's he's low key. He's sneaky. He has a sneaky personality. and Apparently, swears a lot and talks a lot of shit. And so, yeah. I'm a no, big. The Tice answer guy. is obviously Marcus Smart. Mar- Marcus is the guy. Yeah. I mean, he seems because God knows what he's doing in quarantine. Right. I mean, and now that he's beaten the, he, he might be wrestling alligators too. Yeah, I mean, the, he's he's invincible now. He's he's immune to coronavirus. Like he can, you can send him out to do anything. Like he's he he beat it. So let let's see let's, <laughs> let's unleash him on the empty streets of Boston and just you know I don't know give him give him machete give him survival gear let's let's I don't know, do something. <laughs> We have to talk to you guys about Roman. I mean, if you are in quarantine right now and are having some uh, ED issues, what better time to consult with an online doctor who can get uh, you a visit within 48 hours and then, if they determine if you need medicine, can get you medication in another 48 hours. Oh, I got that wrong. Yeah, You can get a doctor in 24 hours and then medicine in 48 hours. So that's 72 hours from right now, you listening, to all your quarantine problems being solved. I mean, I think it would cheer everyone up in your household if you could solve these issues. And so if you determine (laughs) that the treatment is right for you, the pharmacy will ship you medication for free. This is all for free. And then you get unlimited free follow-ups with your doctor at any time for any questions, or if you want to adjust your treatment plan, there are zero commitments. And so if you're struggling with ED, you just want to make your quarantine that much better 
You can go to GetRoman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So that is GetRoman.com slash Celtics for a free online visit, free two-day shipping. Make your quarantine a little bit more fun for you and everyone else in your household. That is GetRoman.com slash Celtics. I'm clearly going stir-crazy in here. We all are. And that's why we had you on, John Corrales, to talk about yesteryear. Mm. And how you got, this is part of our ongoing interview series with people on the Celtics beat. And you are a relatively new member of the Celtics beat, but you had a, a whole bunch of different professions going back. And you even played basketball professionally in Greece, which uh, Must have been many a shit people league. heard stories of. But yeah. What, what was that, Jack? We're going to have to hear about. <laughs> Must have been a shit league. <laughs> it was. I'm not even going to pretend it wasn't. <laughs> So let's start there. Let's. Uh, how did you end up playing semi-professional or professional basketball in a, a shit league in Greece? <laughs> um, so I went to Emerson College, which is a D3 school, which at that point had no real reputation for basketball. So, um, And now is just a turner of... I mean, now, now, now you're going to have like... And Celtics writers. You have... <laughs> seriously, you have the potential for like... Uh, at some point, I, I can see maybe three or four NBA GMs having played uh, basketball at Emerson. So we've already had two, um, and I know there are a couple more in the pipeline. So uh, Have I ever told you my Emerson story? No, I don't think so. So the, the coach, Hank Smith, recruited me. Oh, yes, you did mention this. And during my recruiting visit, we're sitting down in his office. It's me, my dad, maybe my mom, and... Hank Smith, and he he tells me, you know, two two of our former players will be GM soon. If you come here, you you will be an NBA GM if you want to be. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this man is so full of shit. <laughs> I had never heard of Rob Hennigan. I had never heard of Sam Presti. <laughs> and I'm like, this fucking guy just lied to my face. <laughs> I've been lied at during the recruiting path, but never like this. Turns out he was deadly honest. Yep. Yeah. And and he knew those guys were going to be GMs. I blew it. It's it. I blew it. That we could, we could have been doing a podcast right now talking about how Jay King blew a trade. What was he? What was this guy thinking? Um, My squad would be loaded. I'm sure it would. It'd be nothing but shooters. I would be a shrewd <laughs> operator. Um, you gave Fred Van Vliet what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my oh, god. Oh, he'd definitely be on my he'd squad. He'd be a max guy. Equity in the team. Yeah. <laughs> Player coach Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, so um Hank got there halfway through my my Emerson career. So I started at Emerson. It was nineteen ninety one. I went to Emerson for two years. I took a year off because I couldn't afford it. Um, worked for my dad in his his restaurant. Uh worked a few other jobs. What kind of restaurant? It was like a a Greek one. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like a pizza family style restaurant. Um, he had those. Um, he's had those restaurants since. I mean, he doesn't have them anymore. But um, when I was a kid, like literally as a toddler, one of my first memories is running around, like sticking my hand into buckets of cheese and eating the pizza cheese. So he, I grew, I grew up in a in a restaurant, Greek Correct. restaurant. That explains a lot. Oh yeah, was just oh yeah, it running does. around sticking his hand in cheese. Yep. That's it. I'd love to fight back on that, but it really does explain a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I worked for my dad. I worked a couple of odd jobs. I was a bouncer for a little while. I did like collections. I did all kinds of crazy things, uh, temp work to to kind of get through and, and get money to to go back to school. You were a hired goon. I was at a uh, hired goon. <laughs> I did. I did a little bit of uh, bouncing for a while during my time off and in, in summers. I'd coach at. At, uh, I coached the Providence College basketball camps too, so I'd you know I did, I did a lot of different things. Went back to Emerson. Hank was there when I went back to Emerson, so I had Hank for two years, and Hank is the one that kind of hooked me up with an agent. Um, you know, I'd, I'd wrapped up my career at Emerson. I'd been I'd been hurt a lot at the end of my senior year, so um, it was kind of a precursor to the end of my playing career, but. Um, you know, I'd had a, a, a pretty good career at Emerson and, and he knew a couple of people and he hooked me up with a, an agent in Greece and we talked and he said, yeah, I can get you, I can get you over there. I can get you on this team. So, you know, I, I wasn't even planning after I'd graduated, I was planning on, you know, working over the summer and trying to get 
resume tapes together. I was trying to start a TV career, a broadcasting career. That's why I went to Emerson. So I was trying to like get that kind of stuff going when Hank called me up. He's like, uh, I got a bead on something for you. So get back to working out, you know, and I'd fallen out of shape. You know, I was like, I'm done playing basketball. So, uh, I had to get back into shape and, and that's, that's kind of how I ended up in Greece. So what sort of Rocky montage did you do to get back into shape? And then you're, so you're going over there. Like, do you know people who are also playing in this league? Do you know what the level of competition is? How are you preparing for your professional career? I had no clue. I really had no clue what to expect. Um, And at that point, we're talking about 1996. There's no, like, YouTube. There's no nothing that tells me what to expect. There's no, there's, the internet is in its infancy. That's how old I am. Um, so I have no clue. Uh, um, there are no, there are no videos to, to research. Um, and at that point I knew people that I had played against in, in high school that ended up going out there, but I had no clue on how, on, on how to get in touch with any of them. So, you know, all I did was I, I, I went back to, you know, my regular basketball workouts. I, I went to the YMCA and, you know, went through all of my old stuff and, you know, there were sand dunes behind the baseball field at my high school and you run up and down those and get a good workout there and, you know, do a lot of shooting as much as I could and, and try to work on the skills that I thought I'd need. I, I, I played like, I, I started out my, in high school with, you know, strictly back to the basket at Emerson. I developed a little bit more of a face-up game, a mid-range game. Um, I knew that I'd probably have to step out a little bit more. So I, you know, try to work. Who was your NBA player comp? I watched a ton of McHale. So in, in high school, I was all back to the basket, seriously up and under drop steps. Um, I, my, my senior year, I averaged like, like 26 points a game just on Kevin McHale moves, you know, like I'd I'd work in some (laughs) of the other stuff, but like I, I just, I learned how to post. And, you know, once, once you learn, like, where the weight is, where the how the other guy's defending you, uh, and once once you start learning uh, how to set guys up, you know you I, I I lived on the post. Um, my in in college, um, I would do a lot of like we'd screen for each other down low. Me and uh, my teammate Ken Laflamme, who was our center, so I moved over to the four. Uh, and we just kind of read how the defense was playing it. And I would either pop to the, the elbow and then either I had a, an elbow jumper or a dump down to him, or I just keep swinging it. Or I would, if the defense was playing me to flash, I would <laughs> go to the post and I, all of that. I love how technical you are about this. Well, that's <laughs> like just, just going straight to the X and O's. He, he would come set the cross screen for me. Or else you want to hear about Greece. Sorry, you're Emerson. Offense. Sorry, 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 sorry. Then, then we'd work the high low. So anyway, in Greece, yes. that was fantastic. Uh, All I wanted was an NBA player comp, man. Yeah, sorry. I get caught. Like I didn't even realize I was doing it. That was fan. No, that was awesome because that was that was so relatable because it just sent you back. However many years later, you're still thinking about the X's and O's of your college I'm offense. I'm seeing it in my in my as I'm talking about it. I can see Ken coming over to set the pick. <laughs> um, so I go over to Greece, and I, you know, it's it's such a different world. Okay, so um, it, and it, who's your coach? I don't even remember this dude's name, but I remember like so. I, everybody smoked. I'll start with that. Yeah, everybody. They were cool. Everybody was smoking. Not me. I was one of like the only ones who wasn't smoking. You're getting dressed for a game in the locker room, and guys have cigarettes. There's like secondhand smoke in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> so you know, Jay, like you, you guys know, like when you come out of a game, do you ever? They always say like, sit, get a seat next to the coach if you're not in the game, because if somebody fucks up. The coach is going to grab who's ever next to him, but like, get this guy out of there. Like that was the theory. So I would always try to sit next to the coaches, both the coaches. There was a head coach and an assistant coach. They were both smoking. I was like, fuck this. I don't care if I don't play, man. I'm going to the end of the bench. I'm not going to get emphysema as a professional athlete. I'm getting less healthy. Um, at the end of the games, the arenas, they had like a haze of smoke at the top. 
Uh, and these weren't huge. Is this a popular <laughs> event? Are people coming to see? Like, what team what was your first team? My, were you in Giannis's league? Like, the league with nobody in attendance? Those, where so those gyms, just, those old gyms where you see him playing? Like, I, I feel like I might have recognized a couple of those. Like that, that, those are the gyms that I played in. That, that, that's awesome. That old Giannis, like, tape that started circulating. That's what, that's what the gyms that I played in looked like. Love it. Love it. And everyone was just smoking. Everyone was smoking. I mean, you probably had like a couple thousand people, um, in the more popular ones. Some, some of them you might not get a thousand people. Um, but a lot of people were smoking. (laughs) It was, it was nuts. But, um, were you good? Was your team good? Were you like uh, just putting up buckets with the Kevin McHale moves? Um, so I couldn't play in the post against those guys. I started to try to play in the post against those guys, and all of the bigs in that league had like tree trunks for legs. I could not. They had them. cigarette strength. See, I mean, seriously, <laughs> like tobacco <laughs> for real tobacco. I like it. Um, yeah, those guys that I, I couldn't move them, so I, I I definitely had to be more of a face up guy. So I was, you know, and and. My my mid range game was pretty good. Um, I I came out. I would say my first month or so, I, I probably averaged like ten twelve points a game. Um, I picture you as the Nenad Kristich of the Greek league. <laughs> no, I was playing against the freaking <laughs> Nenad Kristiches, um, which is why I couldn't get into the post anymore. Uh, Are these the guys semi-urted. mostly Greek? Are they talking shit yeah. to you in Greek? So, um, Skata. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So the way it worked was you get two Americans per team max, but because my parents were born there, I was allowed in as a Greek. So I didn't count as Ooh, one of the Americans. Nice, nice salary cap loophole. There. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's you know that that's part of what made me more attractive as a player because I didn't occupy one of the American spots. But it was funny because in college, coach would always call me the Greek. And when I got to Greece, they'd always call me the American. So, like, <laughs> was, um, and we got busted. I don't want to say busted because I, th- I didn't think it was any, any big deal. So we went to this – there was this awesome open-air night. scandal club. coming up. No, like, it wasn't – I didn't think it was a big deal. We had an off day, um, and then no, we, we would – always practice twice a day. There was a morning shoot around. You'd go lift. You'd take a nap because everybody, there's a, you know, the siesta type of thing. And then you'd have a full practice at night. But we didn't have a morning shoot around. So it was a, after a game, well, I forget what day of the week. Was, let's just say it was a Sunday night. Monday was off. No Tuesday morning practice. So Sunday night, we went out to this club, this open air club. It was amazing. Um, and we're there till like four in the morning because that's what everybody does. You're up till four in the morning. So a lot of fun, whatever. Two days later, we go to practice. Coach sits us down and starts ripping into us and says, oh, I got to hear. We're trying to do something serious. And then I hear about this guy, this guy and the American all partying out to all hours of the night. <laughs> I was like, what did I do? I, I, I had an off day. I went to a club. Like, there's not a big deal. Apparently it was a big deal. So, well, how was the team playing? I mean, I mean, was it was you letting the party and affect your uh, performance on the court? No, no, we weren't very good, but it, was, <laughs> it had nothing to do with the partying. Um, it wasn't like we were a big party team. It was, I thought, with wild man John Corral. I mean, I I, st- I still do enjoy a night out, but uh, I thought that that was cool because we had a full day off, and that was like. You know, whatever. It's not like I, I did. I didn't get into trouble. I didn't get into a fight. We were just sitting there drinking and having a good time, sitting in the back. It was a really cool experience. Like I had a little tiny taste of that experience where you sit in the back and people come to you, and it was really cool. And uh, I didn't enjoy getting in trouble for it because that was like one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Corrales could have been a player, but he fell in love with the life. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. That's where the story goes. How many how many more seasons did you uh play in Greece after you, you know, kind of fell into this Playboy lifestyle? <laughs> I only had <laughs> I only had that one season. Uh Oh my! You knew you knew it was too dangerous. You know that's you couldn't it. go back for more. <laughs> that's it. That's what it was. Uh, I actually I, I suffered two bad injuries. I tore my quad. 
which is not oh, fun. Brutal. That's not fun. Um, I rushed my way back from a torn quad and hurt my back. Um, and like, I, I, I still, they still couldn't tell me exactly what it was. Um, I don't know if it was a nerve thing or whatever. All I know is it, it progressively got worse till one morning. I, I couldn't, I literally could not get out of bed. It took me an hour to like roll my way out of bed and I had to like get to the team doctor and, and they, I don't know. After that, it was just like, that was it. Uh, two, two major injuries. Like I said, my senior year at Emerson, I was already like starting to, to the injuries were starting to pile up on me. I knew at that point, like, I was very self-aware. I'm not like, uh, it's not like I was a star at that point. Like I wasn't averaging 20 points a game. Uh, the coach was starting to get pissed that I was hurt. Like he, he wasn't like, uh, it was not like uh, Brad Stevens, very supportive. We'll do what we need to do. Ease him back in. It was like, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Um, and they didn't like to. And you just kept hitting the bottle, and you just couldn't. Th- that's it. That's it. I fell. I you fell were, into. You that. were too soft. Let's be honest. Here. That, that's. <laughs> um, yes, too soft. Couldn't play through that torn quad and that whatever back issue. So I left. I left. You were after more like the J.R. Smith of Greece than the Nenad Kristich. I've come to come yeah. to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, for sure. But uh, it was cool. It out was there cool. at the club with some henny. <laughs> infuriating your coach how do you even find out you were at the club i don't know somebody ratted us out some snitch you were spotted one of your teammates was a snitch man i don't know man no everyone talks in that neighborhood it was a small town i suppose but like (laughs) but again it's not like we were i I don't recall getting like doing anything bad or embarrassing or anything like that it wasn't we were just having a good time but (laughs) so when you decide you decide to go home you're like gotta hang it up i'm hurt um, this party lifestyle is just not for me. I'm going to head back to presumably Rhode Island. Yes. How do you go from Rhode Island to then becoming a local news producer in New York and starting Red's Army? Yeah, so I I got a job at WMUR in New Hampshire um, as a, a news producer. Um, I got out of TV briefly, then went to Channel 7 uh, to do that, to, to be – get back into TV, uh, spent a couple years at channel seven, then went over to WBZ. Uh, my, fr- so I leave channel seven. I take a few days off to, uh, get myself together and, and get ready for my new job at WBZ. And that's September 11th, right in the middle. So I walk into a new job at WBZ two days after nine 11. Um, and walk into that buzzsaw. And so I, I, I end up spending like nine years at WBZ. Chuck McKenney, who is my a co-founder at RedsArmy.com, was a producer there. Chuck was a teammate of mine at Emerson for uh, a couple of years before the Hank Smith era. He was a year ahead of me, and he, he ended up quitting uh, basketball to focus on his, his TV stuff. So I kind of fell out of touch and then I saw him there and you were like, Oh shit. Hey. Uh, so we hit it off. We were producing, I was doing a 5am newscast. He was doing the 6am newscast. Um, so we were there, we had to get to work at like 11 PM and work overnight in the midst of all of that. We are reading, uh, Boston dirt dogs, which is an old, uh, Red Sox blog that we just loved. It was hilarious, full of photoshops. Um, and we just decided to kind of like, Hey, let's do a, a Celtics version of this. And so that's kind of like the birth of RedsArmy.com. at that point. Celtics blog was doing like the straightforward stuff. And we were just kind of figuring let's do like the, you know, goofy Photoshop irreverent type of stuff. And, and so that was like 2006, uh, when we started Red's army. That early internet. Yes. We, we had to, uh, the way we did, there was no, at that point, like WordPress or TypePad. We created a, like just a document. And we would, when one of us updated the site, we literally had to like highlight and move things down and put a new thing at the top <laughs> and then email the file to like, if I updated the site, I had to email the file to Chuck 
So he had the most recent version. So if he had to update it, he could open up the the updated thing, hi- highlight, pull down, put something new at the top, and then update the site that way. That's how primitive it was. That's special. So, it's insane. So, you, so you've got a full-time job in news. You're doing this blog. I don't think everyone understands the labor of love it is and how much you probably had to focus on this mm-hmm. outside of your normal job. <laughs> like, wh- I guess, what what were your days looking like when you're basically having two full-time jobs, one with the blog and one with the news? Are you, like, blogging while you're at work? Yeah. Are you blogging, like... <laughs> yeah. What, what does that look like? Um, it, it looks like a lot of, like, sneaking around to figure out how to post things. Um, because I'd be sitting there as a news producer and, like, I don't know, a trade happens or whatever happens. Um, and especially at that point, I'm working overnights. So I'm... A lot of times... I'm even driving to work with the game on on the radio and listening to Grandy call the game. (laughs) So when I get to work, I can like do a quick like at that point, the recap was like 100 words like because how primitive it was. (laughs) Celtics win, you know, Uh, so we do. It it was a lot of seriously, it was a lot of sneaking around and it, it. I, I keep saying that the reason why Red's Army didn't die is because we were too stupid to stop blogging. Like it, it, it <laughs> I, I definitely, I got called into a news director's office and he's like, so tell me about this Red's Army.com site. That's not uh, impeding on your work. I'm like, nah, I do that from home. <laughs> like in, in the meantime, I have like when the blogging came around and TypePad came around and WordPress came around, that was like a godsend. Cause I could like surreptitiously like alt tab over like, Tick, 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 write some stuff, <laughs> post it, and then come back. And, like, you know, we were doing it under aliases. Like, I wasn't doing, like, John Corrales at that point. So they they could kind of know, but it, 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 never, it never cost me anything at work. Like, I, I was able to figure out a way. I was always f- able to figure out a way. Even when I was all the way up to New York, you know, a couple of years ago, I would always find a way during downtime – to like, okay, I can, I've, I've worked on this stuff for news. I've got about an hour of kind of like downtime. I can like knock this off. And what it did teach me is like the skill of writing things very quickly, short, getting it out there very fast. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a fair amount of sneaking around involved. <laughs> John just takes his computer to the bathroom. No, nobody knows the difference. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's been done before. So at what point were you able to be open about your uh, Celtics coverage with your uh, other job? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, when I was, when I was in New York, they all kind of knew, uh, by that time things, um, uh, things, things had gotten big enough where it's kind of hard to hide it, but, um, the success and adulation is just pouring <laughs> in. It's hard to ignore. Well, Red's, Ar- Red's <laughs> Army was like at that point, you know, popular enough, and um, you know, people follow me on Twitter. Like I'm constantly tweeting about it, so like they knew, people knew, um, people noticed. I was good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everybody started to realize I was awesome at this. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then I couldn't hide it from my boss anymore. Um, and. and the thing was, I, I didn't like, I didn't abuse the the basketball thing. Like, I was producing newscasts. I was at all the meetings. I was doing the newscasts. I, I was like, I was creating shows. I was doing a lot of stuff. I was, I was doing on air work in New York. Like, nothing, nothing suffered. That's the, like, I never pushed it to a point where my work suffered. I found a way, I found a, a balance. Um, you know, and it helped that we brought on writers for Red's Army, stuff like that. But I, I tell you that by the end, before I switched over, it was getting to be too much because I would work, you know, my show was at six o'clock in New York. Uh, I'd get out at six 30 on a game night. I had to rush home, uh, on a seven o'clock start. I was watching on my phone, 
from a bus <laughs> to get like the first quarter of the game. Uh, and then, you know, afterwards you're writing about it, you're podcasting about it. Um, and you know, by the time you, by, by the time all that stuff's done, it's, you know, in 11, 12, you know how late things go, Jay, Sam, you're there too. Yep. Like, you know how late things go. And then I got to be up at 7 AM the next morning to make it from Queens to Manhattan for a 9.15 news meeting. So the five and six hours of sleep was really wearing on me by the end. But it was it was very much burning the candle at both ends. The, so the what made coolest, you sit... Oh, oh, go ahead, Jay. The coolest thing to me about your story is you stayed with it. Like, you, you loved writing, you loved podcasting, and no matter what, like you said... You're barely sleeping some nights, but you stayed with it. Um, were there times you thought about like getting out of writing and what convinced you to to keep going? Yeah. Uh, I would say each of the the previous three seasons, I'd go into a season thinking that this might be it. Like, um, and some of it was my own fault. Like I, I was always terrible at like self-promotion. Like I'd write something and I'd just... I, I had this attitude of like, I think this is good. I hope somebody else sees it and thinks it's good and comes to me with something, which is not the way you're supposed to do it. You really got to push. Um, but I would say each of, when did I come back to Boston? It was 2018. So, you know, the, the 16, 17, 18, like at some point during each of those seasons, I was like, I cannot do I this can't anymore. keep doing this with Packard and Jay King anymore. <laughs> this is going to be the end of it. It was, <laughs> yeah. On top of everything, I had you guys to deal with. Uh, I I really came close to quitting several times. Um, mostly after like complete lack of sleep. Um, uh, so, but I, I I just never could. I I never could pull myself to that point. I never could really do it. You know, so I, I'd say it, I'd, I'd say I'm at the end of my rope here, but I'd keep on doing it. It's something just kept, because like we'd wrap up a podcast, honestly, like we'd wrap up a podcast. I'm like, that's the most fun I've had all day. The entire day from 7am <laughs> till nine o'clock, I was fucking miserable setting up to do the podcast. I'm incensed, raging, seething with anger. <laughs> and then, then we all talk for an hour. And at the end, I'm like. Woohoo! This is great. I'm having so much fun. Like the, it, it was the one thing at the end. I was like, "This is awesome." So that's what always kept me going. At the end of everything, like watching basketball at the end of a game, just loving what I was seeing, uh, loving the reactions, all of that stuff. That's what kept me going up until like the entire day would be shit. And then once basketball and podcasting came around, I was like, "Okay, this is good." And that, and that's why I had to make the leap because I, I had to give it its full shot. I had to like stop doing both things because TV can always be there. I can always go back to TV. If this all falls apart, I know that I have enough experience um, and enough friends in the industry that I can freelance. I can get my foot back in the door. I had to give basketball a shot. So that's why a couple of years ago, I was like, that's what I'm doing. And then, so you moved from New York with no job, right? Like you were, you had freelance stuff lined up, you, but you, you didn't have a full-time job lined up. You were just betting on yourself and betting that with putting the time and energy in that you'd spent on your other job, just into writing that you'd find something and, and you'd slam that door open. What was your reaction when mass live called you or had a meeting with you and said, John, we want you to hire you full time to be our Celtics. <laughs> Were you like, Holy shit. Yeah. I was like, it, it's kind of wild. Um, so the funny thing is I applied for that job before I left TV. I applied for the mass live job and I didn't hear anything. And that was just kind of like my impetus to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to do this myself. So guys, I applied, I applied to Mass Live before. Um, I think it's when they hired Fred Katz. So that job opened up, I recall, and I got a form letter back from Mass Live saying thanks, but no thanks. 
So then I applied after you left, Jay, and I didn't hear anything. So I was sitting there saying, like, fucking Mass Live doesn't f- fuck them. Fuck that. I- I'm going to do this myself. Fuck them. Fuck this. Pr- I wasn't like in a fuck everybody mode. I'm going to do this my goddamn self. And I'm going to show everybody that I can do it. And that kind of was the impetus for me to leave. So then I get back to Boston and then I go to your place to record a podcast. And you turn to me as we're walking in. You're like, hey, why didn't you ever call Mass Live? Well, well, they want to talk to you. I was like, they do? Uh, yeah. I, it turns out that they just the reason they didn't get back to me is for some reason my resume got lost and I mean it was great you should have seen Corrales's, Corrales's look when I told him like why, why didn't you apply for the job over there man he's like are you fucking kidding me right yeah. now I was like I have uh, what so I, I ended up calling uh, I ended up getting in touch with Jim uh who's the editor at, uh, at mass live, uh, interviewing. It, it was such a wild process because I get in there and I have, uh, this big long interview with Jim and Ed, who's like, was he the president over there? And like, it, it, it's going well. And I'm having, I'm firing off all these ideas and I'm saying, you know, I've got all this TV experience. Like, you know, if we want to do video, I've got this production experience. I know how to edit. I know how to do this and blah, 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 blah. I think it goes great. And then, Again, like silence for a little while as they, and I know like they're, they're continuing their process. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to give them their time. And then Tom Westerholm, so you guys know you've had him on. He's the, my, my co-beat writer over there at Mass Live. He comes to me one day at the garden. I'm sitting, standing there on the floor pregame. He goes, have you had your second interview yet? He's like, no. He's like, oh, cause they're calling people in for second interviews. I'm like, <laughs> so immediately seems like the HR needs to work on their communication skills. So immediately I start going into the God, after all this, it's not going to happen. I start flying into my rage again because <laughs> I'm, I'm very much in a fuck you. I'm going to prove everybody wrong mode, <laughs> but it just, it just turns out they didn't, they didn't want, need me for a second interview. They just called me up afterwards. Uh, I, I'd gotten in touch with them. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. I got in touch with them. They're like, yeah, we're just busy. There's a lot going on. And, you know, if people don't know, like Jim, Jim does so much over there. Like it, it's, it's very easy for like days when you're hiring somebody for days to get away from you. I used to be a hiring manager. Like I know it, it, it's, a, it's a big pile of craziness. So, but me in that moment, I'm just sitting there like, is this going to happen or not? Because it'd be great <laughs> if this happened. You know, to get a full-time job is a little bit more security. I'd been doing the Boston.com freelance things, which is great. Those the, the, Everybody there is great. They, and, Hell and they yeah. really work with me. Uh, <laughs> they are, you know. They, uh, they gave me money to write things. Yeah. Uh, so it was very cool. Uh, but ultimately, Jim called me up and, and offered me the job. And I was just like, wow. Like, this is, I'm actually a beat writer. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you got what you asked for. Now go. And I was like, oh shit, I got what I asked for. Like now what? I'd spent all of these years fighting for something and now I got it. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with this now. <laughs> what was the biggest lesson that you learned from Jay King as he became a beat writer? Don't oh Jesus! Don't don't act like Jay King does when he walks into a building. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> What's well, the biggest lesson you learned from me? Because um, I I was actually on the Celtics beat before you were. So what's the biggest lesson you learned from me? <laughs> what is it, hazing? Um, <laughs> lessons learned from Sam Packard. Let me see. Um, you know, this is like a lessons learned podcast. We're trying to help the people out there if they're out there in a kind of want to be a sports media professionals just trying to pass on advice. No, you know what? I mean, I was, I always, the one thing I want to relay to people about Sam, Sam always goes for the jokes, but Sam is a very smart, observant basketball guy. Like he, like we all hear the jokes and the, the Kaizen and I'm a professional sports fan, but you know, it's, I, I look at everybody that that's out there. And you know, you can see like there, are, there were plenty of times where you've said things on the podcast. I was like, huh, I did not notice that. Um, 
And, you know, you build up this reputation as like the jokey guy, but you know, you're, you're a smart basketball guy. And that, that's the thing I appreciate from you. And I appreciate from like all the weird Celtics Twitter guys, um, Every single one of them, they they go for the jokes. It's fun. It's a goof. But if they needed to, like, on a dime, start breaking things down, they all can, which is amazing to me. Well, I'm uncomfortable with compliments, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. So I guess what we've I been talking about. I, I, I just got, don't be like Jay. And then Packer gets his heartfelt response. Yeah. I don't, mm, know, Jay, I don't know how to let's feel Let's just, right like, now. take in um, just ob- observations of others and learn from it, you know? No, Jay's. That's true. <laughs> Jay, Jay's good too. Jay's good at his job. <laughs> uh, Jay and I have had conversations. Are sitting there over beers. Over con- Jay. Jay is. Jay has a skill that I I haven't developed, and and it's it's hard for me. He just naturally kind of ha- builds these relationships with people. Um, me? Yeah, that's how I see it. Like I see you like talking to all these people and you you find these ways to like you've pissed me off many times getting stories that I'm like, <laughs> "God damn it. That's a fucking good idea and I'm pissed that I didn't think of it." Like you do these things and you've you've maintained these relationships with people that I think you can call on and get these these good stories. Uh and yeah, like Shout the, to the kid. The, ba- the like the <laughs> biggest the biggest compliment I can pay to you is you regularly piss me off by doing stories that I feel like I should have thought of first, but I didn't, and you did. So, that- thank you, thank you. First of all, isn't our industry so weird? Like, like we just compete with all our really good friends yeah. every day. Yeah, it's very much. I, I always say, and this, like, it's- like you said, like you make me feel like an idiot. Westholm makes me feel like an idiot. Himmelsbach makes me feel like an idiot. Forsberg makes me feel like an idiot. All these people, B. Rob makes me feel like an idiot. Everybody makes me feel like an idiot, and they're my really good friends. And every day, I, I like I, I, it's such a warped, warped world we live in. Like I'll see you standing over in the corner interviewing Marcus Smart, and like my heart will sink. I'll be like, <laughs> "Fuck!" Like, what is Corrales going to get out of Smart right now? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's such a weird world where every day. Oh, I did. We just hang out with each other and go out to dinner with each other and appreciate each other. And every day, like I hate every single one of you. (laughs) I say it all the time, and I I I believe this with every fiber of my being. This what what we do is very very much like the sport that we cover, and just like there are players on different teams that off the court they'll go to dinner and do all these things, but on the court you want to kill each other. Like you want to win. Like I want to do this. Like I want everybody to succeed, but I just want to succeed a little bit more. Like that's, that's how it is. Like, and, and whenever somebody gets a story that I feel like I should have had, I get mad at myself. Um, and, and you know, it's conversely, it's like, it's hard to be proud of yourself of a story because like you get something and it does well and you're like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, I got to keep building on this. Um, and like I don't know, it, it's hard. Unless you're Jay and you're just Artine, all the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, man. I, you got to drive subscriptions somehow. It's a sick world out here. It really is. Yeah, see, that's why you guys uh, doing it. Uh, just being a professional fan, you don't have any of these worries. You just kind of show up and occasionally talk. That's true. <laughs> uh, but for real, Corral, thanks for coming on this podcast, man. I appreciate. Honestly, your story is. One of the coolest to me because like you did this as just just something you loved and you fell in love with it so much that you didn't want to give it up no matter how much personal cost, no matter how many times you had to sleep five hours at night, no matter how many days you probably had to like not hang out with your friends and go watch the Celtics instead and write a recap and and then you bet on yourself. And you did it like when you were established in a career and you just said, you know what? Screw it. I want to do what I love. And that's so cool to me. And to see it work out the way it has, it's just awesome. And to see you establish yourself on the beat super quickly and immediately become a force on the beat like you have been in blogs and on podcasts, like it's awesome. And that's so cool to me. So to hear more about your story, 
like I've known you for years and years and years and I didn't know half the the stories about <laughs> Greece and all that. So it, it's cool and, and to hear, you know, more about your journey, which is really an inspiring journey when when you listen to it and, and see how, how well it's benefited you and to just see that, you know, somebody followed their passion and followed it with with so much drive and work ethic that you gave somebody no choice but to hire you. And that's awesome. That's so cool. I appreciate that. Thanks. You know, now now let's see how I fuck it up. <laughs> I knew you were going to come with some, <laughs> some stupid-ass quote because we're all uncomfortable we with right. praise. What am I going to sit here and be like, yes, thank you, I'm awesome. I'm like, no, like, it's, it is it's uncomfortable. We're, we're much better at taking jabs at each yes. other. So Yes, fuck you, Joe. So fuck you and fuck <laughs> I, hate, I hate you as much as I hate the idea of horse. <laughs> all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you guys for listening uh, to another episode of Anything is Potable. We'll be coming back at you later this week. With who knows what else. Uh, please call our voicemail line. I definitely should have had that prepared and uh, to tell you guys what it is right now. We're going to pause. Okay, that's the voicemail line. Call that. Leave some voicemails. Jay and I will answer uh, at some point. I don't know. We're still figuring this out. But please subscribe. Rate five stars. Do all the podcast things if you're uh, still listening at this point. And thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable!